Good afternoon to everyone, or perhaps good evening or good morning to our friends and family in the other parts of the globe who are watching us at this time. We welcome you to another day of worship, and we thank God for this freedom that we have to study His Word. And I also thank God for this privilege that He has given me to share His Word today. Over the past uh, several months, we have been uh, hearing messages, uh, challenging and encouraging messages that address the times we live in. And this afternoon, we will continue looking at God's Word for His Word for us today in these uncertain and challenging times. We already know that we are going through a time of adversity. There is no denying that the COVID-19 has become an adversity for all of us. It has caused so much affliction, anguish, suffering, and trouble all over the world. This pandemic has disrupted our lives derailed our plans, and distanced us physically from our loved ones, from our friends, and even from our church family. Up until this time, we do not know when the virus will go away and when a cure will be available. But my brothers and sisters, there is a reality that COVID-19 is not the only adversity we face in this life. We also have to contend with our own personal adversity. It can be the adversity of a wayward child, a challenging situation at the workplace, or the uncertainty of our jobs. It may be a lingering sickness, the death of a loved one, or the loneliness that we experience of being away from our family. The list goes on. So the question that we have is, how do we deal with the adversity of COVID-19 or any kind of adversity for that matter? You know what? Our answer to this question is very important because how we deal with adversity spells all the difference in our lives. Depending on our response, an adversity can develop or destroy us. It can make us better or bitter. It can make us win or whine. Or it can make us victors or victims. And so today, we will look at how we can have the right attitude or the right response towards adversity so that it will accomplish the good purpose in our lives that God has intended it to be. I have entitled this message in the face of adversity based on a very familiar story recorded in Daniel 3. And this is the story of the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we can look at your word once again. Speak to us, Lord, by your word. 
We pray that our hearts will be good soil to receive your word. I pray that in the power of the Holy Spirit, I will be able to explain your word clearly and simply so that, Father, it will find its lodging place in our hearts and it will change our lives. Father, lead us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Daniel, as you might already know, is one of the major prophetic books in the Bible, together with Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And of course, we have also the minor prophets. It was written by Daniel to encourage the exiled Jews by revealing God's program for them, both during and after the time of the gentle power in the world. So Daniel, in this book, was encouraging these Jews that were exiled in Babylon by telling them that they will suffer under Gentile powers for many years. But a time will come when their trials will pass away, and once again God will gather them unto himself and establish his kingdom that will last forever. There are two prominent themes in the book of Daniel, namely, God's sovereign control over the affairs of all rulers and nations, and at the same time, God's sovereign power through miracles. And we will discuss one of those miracles today. Due to time limitation, we will not be reading the full story of Daniel 3, but I will be referring to key verses as we go along. I would request that uh, we read the whole story in uh, the book of Daniel 3 later on, and maybe for our parents, you can uh, have this story as your bedtime story for your children tonight. The setting of Daniel 3 is in Babylon. As we remember the history of God's chosen people, we recall that because of their persistent sin and disobedience, despite the countless warnings of God through the prophets, God allowed them to be conquered and exiled. The first to be exiled was the northern kingdom. And they were conquered and they were uh, scattered by the Assyrians. And then later, later on, some years later on, the southern kingdom was also exiled to Babylon in three waves over a period of 19 years. And the story of Daniel 3 that already happened in Babylon revolves around Daniel's three friends namely Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. The king later on, and we saw this in the preaching of Pastor Dan last Sunday, later on the king changed their names to Babylonian names. Hananiah was changed to Shadrach, Azariah to Meshach, and Mishael to Abednego. In Daniel 3, we read about the adversity that these three young men faced. Let me summarize to you the story. Daniel 3 starts with King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylon during that time. 
making a golden image of himself for the people to worship. Anyone who would not worship would be thrown into the blazing furnace. And as expected, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who loved the Lord, refused to worship the image, and so this was reported to the king. The king summoned the three who confessed that they would not worship the image. The king was so furious that he commanded them to be thrown into the fiery furnace that was heated seven times. The furnace was extremely hot that the men who threw them into the furnace got burned and died. But we read in the story that God saved these three young men. They didn't get burned at all. Not a hair on their head was singed. Their clothing was not even scorched, and they didn't even smell of smoke. As a result, the king praised God and decreed that no one could speak against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He acknowledged that no other God could save this way, and he promoted them. Now, depending on the angle that we take, we can derive many themes from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But what we will focus on today in this story is the response of the three young men as they were brought before the king and faced their adversity of being thrown into the fiery furnace. The response of the three young men is recorded in Daniel 3, 16 to 18. And this is what we will look at today because their response is our example of how we should deal with adversity in our lives. Let's read Daniel 3, 16 to 18. Let's read it together. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image you have set up. This response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego contains three statements that speak of the three things that we can do in the face of adversity so that God's purpose of that adversity in our lives will come to pass. First, trust in God's sovereignty. In verse 316b, we read, O king, this was the statement of the three young men, O king, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not mean any disrespect to the king in this statement. All they wanted to say was that there was no need to defend themselves. There was no need to explain their side or even reason out with the king. Why? They knew who their God is, and they were ready to face the consequence of their decision. They knew that their lives were in God's hands, and all they could do was to trust in God 
at that moment. In our lives, when adversity strikes, there are two things that we automatically do. First is to find a solution to the situation. And second, we try to find an explanation to the situation. We try everything we can to resolve the situation. And then we try to understand what the situation is and find answers to all the whys that we have about that situation. Now, there is nothing wrong with this. But you know when we do this? They usually bring so much restlessness, so much anxiety to our hearts because we will find out that at times there is no solution and at times there is no explanation. So what do we do then? Like the three young men, we are encouraged today to take the position of trust in God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty is one character of God that can take up a whole sermon or two to explain. In fact, several books have been written just on this topic alone. But there is a verse in the Bible, and there are two verses which I would like to share with you today, that will summarize this aspect of God's character. The first is Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. Let's read it together. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Another verse that summarizes God's sovereignty is Job 42, 2. When Job said, I know, he was addressing this verse to God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. These verses state that there is nothing that God purposes that he does not accomplish. He will accomplish all his will and nothing, no one can stop him. That's what sovereignty is all about. To put it simply, Chip Ingram said that God's sovereignty is to say God is in control. God's sovereignty is to say that God does whatever pleases him, that he does whatever he wants to do. Now, this statement may be scary, may sound scary to most of us, but you know what? It is so comforting because... God, who is in control, will act and exercise his sovereignty according to his righteousness, according to his wisdom, mercy, and justice. I want all of us to know today that our God is not a capricious God. Someone who just does what he wants to do and he doesn't care about it or he is being careless about it that is not the god that we believe in but he is someone who will exercise his sovereign will based on his justice righteousness wisdom mercy and love and today if we understand 
that a loving, righteous, merciful, and just God is in control of our situation, in control of the coronavirus, in control of our adversity, in control of what is going on in our family, then we can trust Him. We can submit to His will, and then we will find rest. When God asked Job about his situation, a friend of ours, a pastor friend of ours in San Diego said that Job asked God 77 questions. God didn't answer Job's question one by one in the book of Job. You know what God did? He in turn asked Job questions that pointed to God's character so that at the end, Job said to God, My ears had heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. That's in Job 42, 5. Perhaps today you have so many questions about the past, the present, and the future. When will this pandemic end? Will our life be normal again? Oh, I have been praying for my husband for so many years. Why doesn't he commit his life to God? Maybe we are asking that question. How long will I suffer this illness? When, when will I ever be with my family again? Brethren, I don't have any answer to those questions. All I know is that we have an all-knowing God, an all-present, all-powerful God who knows and who cares about what you're going through and whose purpose for the adversity we are going through is always good. How do we know that? Let's read James 1, 2 to 4. James said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When we trust in God's sovereignty and submit to His will, and know that something good will come out of our situation, we can rest. Last March 5, 2020, Pastor and I traveled to the Philippines for a scheduled two-month ministry. This would be in Baguio, Cagayan Valley, Manila, Lanao del Norte, and Pagadian. We were able to finish the first leg of our ministry on March 7 to 15. But when we went back to Baguio on March 16, the whole of northern Luzon was locked down. As a result, we had to cancel all of our ministry schedule, and we were in Baguio during that uh, time, and we just waited for our turn to, uh, for, for the time for us to return on April 29, only to find out that our flight was canceled. We felt at first that our time there was being wasted. And the very purpose that we were there was not accomplished at all. But as days went by, we realized God's purpose why we were there. During the lockdown, there was no public transportation. 
So the Lord used pastor to drive his sister in an old Subaru, in their old Subaru, Monday to Friday to, for, her, for her breast cancer radiation treatment for 30 sessions. So he drove her for 30 days. And then my mother-in-law is already 94, although she's still very strong, gardening, cooking, and walking around. And my sister is a cancer patient. Of course, the house is not as clean as it should be. So the Lord used us to do a general cleaning of the house. And every week, we would clean, we would sweep, we would mop. And we spent our time just doing that for them and also spending time with them and sharing God's goodness to them. At the end of two and a half months, God allowed us to return to Singapore. We knew then that God's purpose for us during that lockdown was to minister to pastor's side of the family. Many times, God interrupts our lives and schedules to accomplish his very purpose. We just need to trust in his sovereign will. In the face of adversity, we don't only trust God's sovereignty, but look to God for protection. Let's read Daniel 3:17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the three Hebrew children said, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that their king would save them and declared it to the king courageously. They had a hope and a faith that were fixed on God, who was their refuge and strength. And sure enough, God came to their rescue. When adversity comes to our lives, we are bombarded with fear and worry. Of course, we want to overcome this, yet we have a hard time doing it. Bakit kaya? It is really the issue of where we fix our sight. If you recall those times in your life when you went through a difficult time, we will notice that during those times, we have the tendency to focus on our adversity, on our problems, on our trials and struggles, and forget that we should focus our eyes on God. One writer of a devotional in New Version called How to Battle Fear said that we often gaze at our problems and merely glance at God. There's a difference there of gaze and glance. But we need to reverse that. What do we need to do? Let us gaze at our good, mighty, powerful God and simply glance at our problems. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego did. Their eyes were so focused on God and on what He can do that's why they faced their adversity courageously. Can you imagine this? They knew that fiery furnace would, they would die, anyone would die. But their eyes, their gaze was focused on God. 
When we look to God for protection, there are two things that we uh, need to do. First is we intentionally focus or dwell on the Word of God. Now, I want to emphasize that. Intentionally focus. Intentional. That's what we want to do here. Specifically on His promises of protection. The Bible has a lot of promises from God. And as we learned uh, the other uh, Sunday, when Pastor Ruel uh, uh, preached, he said that when the Word speaks, God speaks. So these are promises from God Himself. In Psalm 91.14, we read this verse. Because He loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. Psalm 34, 19 and 20, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Psalm 32, 7, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. There are, these are just but three of the many promises that God has in his word. I encourage each one of us to to fill our hearts and minds with God's Word. Every time, let's spend time in the Word. Get a hold of a verse or two. Take it to heart. Focus on it. And then, let it encourage us and strengthen us all throughout the day. We need the Word of God. We need to focus on the Word of God. When worry strikes us, we begin to remember the verse that says we should not worry and fill our mind with that Word of God instead of filling our mind with what worries us. So when we look to God for protection, we intentionally focus on His Word. But there's also a second thing. We intentionally focus and dwell on God's presence. We need to know, my dear brothers and sisters, and we need to know and experience that God is with us in our adversity. Look at what happened to the three young men after they were thrown into the blazing furnace. In verses 24 to 25, let's read those verses. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. And he said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. The expression son, so in that picture you uh, see that fourth man there and King Nebuchadnezzar that, oh, he looks like the son of a god. And that is actually a pag pagan reference to one who appeared in the supernatural. But a, a verse later on in verse 28, King Nebuchadnezzar said that God sent an angel. Now who is this son of the gods? Some Bible scholars say that the fourth person could possibly have been an angel or he could have been a pre-incarnate appearance or manifestation of Christ sent to protect them and be with them in their great time of trial. If this is the case, 
we can say then that God was with them in the burning furnace. God was with them in the burning furnace. In the same way, we need to know that God is with us whatever we're going through. We need to know that, but we also need to experience that. And there are again many promises in the Word of God that speak of His presence when we are going through, not only when we are going through a difficult time, but His presence that will never leave us nor forsake us. Some of these verses read Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist said, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 91, 15, he will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. We need to know and walk in continual awareness of God's presence. Two things, know and walk. Know and experience it. It is not only knowing, but experiencing it in a way, by faith, that it changes the way we respond to adversity. Today, let me ask you a question. Are we spending more our energy focused on the trials and struggles before us? Or are we focused on the God who is over all these trials and this adversity? When we focus on God's promises and presence, our minds are less likely to stay fixed on our adversity and we receive inner peace and hope. We will not grow weary, but we have the strength to face our adversity. It doesn't mean that we deny our adversity, but it means that we come before the Lord and acknowledge our trouble, but at the same time know that He is there with us to help us. When we focus on the promises in God's Word and the presence of God by His Spirit, we are able to say with Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We can look up to God for His protection. So in the face of adversity, we do not only trust in God's sovereignty, we do not only look to Him for His protection, but we also affirm our love for God. In verse 3.18, Daniel 3.18, this is the last statement in the response of the three young men. They said, But even if He does not, we want you to know, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said that even when God does not save them, 
They will not serve or worship the gods of Nebuchadnezzar or worship that image that he has set up. What a statement of their love, their loyalty and faithfulness to the God in the face of their adversity. They determined to be faithful to God no matter what would happen. This is how they affirmed their love for God. They gave bold and unhesitating witness to their allegiance to the one true God. What else? They expressed their unconditional faith, complete trust, and total loyalty to God. They possessed a faith that trusted and obeyed God regardless of the consequences. You know what? Times of hardship reveal our hearts. They expose who we are on the inside. When COVID-19 just started, Sister Mabel, who is now in Seattle, passed on a reflected poem written by a believer in New York. And if you remember, New York was the worst hit during the, the early stages of COVID-19 in the United States. But let me just share with you excerpts from that poem. We have all been exposed, not necessarily to the virus. We have all been exposed by the virus. Corona is exposing us, exposing our weak sides, our dark sides, exposing what normally lays beneath the surface of our souls, hidden by the invisible masks we wear. Corona is exposing our addiction to comfort, our obsession with control, our compulsion to hoard, our protection of self, the gods we worship, our sense of security, our misplaced trust. Corona is calling everything into question. What is the church without a building? What is my worth without an income? How do we plan without certainty? How do we love despite risk? We have all been exposed. Our junk laid bare, our fears made known. So what's now? What's left? Clean hands, clear eyes, tender hearts. What coronavirus reveals, God can heal. Come, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. God reveals our hearts during a time of adversity not to condemn us, but to save us from destruction. Not to destroy us, but to save us from being destroyed. We thank God that whatever God has revealed to us in our hearts individually during this time of pandemic, we have brought it to the cross and we have been healed and forgiven by God. I hope that God has used this adversity and even our own personal adversity to show us our hearts, to bring us to repentance, and then for Him to change and strengthen our hearts so that today we can affirm our love for God despite our circumstances. Why can we love God in the midst of our adversity? Why can we say, Lord, I love you, even in this lingering sickness? Why can we love God? Why can we affirm our love for God? Because of His love for us. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love because He first loved us. 
And then Romans 8, 38 to 39, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ our Lord. In the face of adversity, we can hold on to the love that God has for us. There is nothing, not COVID-19 or our personal adversity, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so, when adversity strikes, when we come to face to face with the deepest, darkest fact of life, there is only one truth that will hold us, that God loves us. So, brothers and sisters, let us hold on to that relationship that we have with God. Let us build that relationship we have with God because it is the only thing that will hold us together in time of adversity. Let us respond to the tug of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts to spend time with Him. God desires to have an intimate relationship with us, a deep abiding relationship with us. He wants us to walk with Him moment by moment and for us to experience that life-giving, that life-changing relationship with us. Because that relationship with God will never be taken away from us. It is one of the things, it is the only thing that COVID-19 can never take away from us. In the face of adversity, we trust in God's sovereignty. We look to Him for protection and affirm our love for God. It's very interesting how the story ends. In Daniel 3, 28-30, we read that Nebuchadnezzar said that God has sent his angel, and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, defiled the king's command, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god. Therefore, this is what Nebuchadnezzar did. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or any language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their homes burned into pile of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. As King Nebuchadnezzar witnessed the power of God and the faithfulness of these three young men, he acknowledged God, he praised God, and he promoted them. As we trust in God's sovereignty, look to God for His protection and affirm our love for God, we become a living testimony of His grace and strength. There is so much darkness and hopelessness in the world today. We live among a people who need to see and hear the message of hope and peace that we have in God. Let us face our adversity with trust, courage, and love for God. 
so that through our lives, the people within our spheres of influence will see and experience the reality of God. You may be going through different trials today, but our God is the same. Let us bring to Him our adversity, determine that for the days to come, we will trust in His sovereignty, look to Him for protection, and above all, affirm our love for Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You know what each one of us is going through. You know the adversity that each of my brothers and sisters, each one of us is going through. But we thank you that you are with us. And Lord, in your time and in your way, you will deliver us. Meanwhile, Lord, while we are waiting for your deliverance, Father, help us to trust in your sovereignty. Help us, Lord, to look to you for protection and help us to love you no matter what. Father, I pray for your strength, for your wisdom, for your sustaining grace upon each one who is going through adversity. And we thank you that at the end of it all, we will be victorious and your name will be glorified. And Lord, we will become living testimonies of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you are watching us today and you know in your heart that you do not have a personal relationship with God, that you have never surrendered your life to God before and have not received Jesus into your life, you can actually pray and do that today. You know what? Because of our sin, we have been separated from God. And there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves from our sin. But because of God's love for us, He sent Jesus to come, take our sin upon Himself, and die on the cross for our salvation. If you desire to receive this salvation today that God has provided through the sacrifice of Jesus, so that you can experience that personal relationship with Him. We invite you to pray this prayer with us, asking God for His forgiveness, opening your heart to Jesus, and committing your life to Him. If that is the desire of your heart, pray this prayer with us. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and can never save myself. I need a Savior. I need Jesus in my life. Forgive me, Father, of all my sins. I open my heart and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I now surrender every aspect of my life to you. Thank you for my forgiveness. Thank you for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed this prayer, please send us a message on our FB page, The Living Word Fellowship with the blue logo, or text us at 9023-2856, or call us at 6338-5529.
3.8. Let us receive the benediction for today. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Have a blessed week, everyone. Remember to join us for our online prayer every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Be a blessing to someone every day this week as you love God and love people.